I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is On Frame. Among supporters and observers of the New York City Football Club, there's been a curiosity about the whereabouts of U.S. International Keaton Parks. Much had been expected of the 21-year-old on loan from Benfica. However, he has barely been involved over the first 11 matches of the season. I asked Dome Tehran, the head coach, about that. His response later in the program. I've invited the voice of Spanish broadcast for NYCFC, Roberto Abramowitz, to join in on the assessment of the team to this point. At one point, New York City sat at the bottom or 12th in the Eastern Conference, and they're now in fourth place at the table. We'll have that coming up in a moment. Dome Tehran seems to have survived the torrent of detractors after City extended their unbeaten streak to an active MLS high of seven matches after a 2-0 road win over the LA Galaxy on Saturday. The Galaxy previously unbeaten and perfect in six matches at the Dignity Help Sports Center. Aber and Maxi Morales scored first-half goals to decide this match, while Zlatan Ibrahimovic was held scoreless, and his confrontation with Sean Johnson in the latter stages of the match may lead to an Ibra fine, a suspension, or maybe both, uh, after putting a chokehold on the stoic Johnson. Um, just, uh, just a competitor, you know, and I think... Uh I think you guys will, will watch the replay and, and decide for yourselves. But you know, at the end of the day, in the heat of the battle, um, you know, you want to do what you can to to, to you know protect the guys and uh, make sure that we, we see the game out, and no matter what, and uh, make sure that they know that we're here to play um, and we're not going to be walked over. So um, you know, I think in any moment, um, you know, everybody was up for the challenge, and including myself. And yeah, you know, Sotson's a talented player. He obviously, he knows what he's doing. He's a clever boy, and um, you know, it, uh, it's a part of the game. I'd be be frustrated if I were him too, you know. Um, you can't blame him for his frustration at that point in the game. Obviously, our boys did a um, did a job today to, to keep him off the score sheet, and he's only happy when he's scoring. So, um, you know, we job done. We'll take the three points and go back. So, um, I think uh, we can look back and say we uh, we got the best out of uh, out of the whole situation today. Zlatan second in the league with nine goals, now with 31 goals in 36 career MLS matches after getting shut out by New York City. And as of this recording, no word from the MLS Disciplinary Committee on what, if any, sanctions there will be for Ibra. New York City FC now has about a two-week break from competition, so it's a good time to reflect on the season up to this point. We're about a third of the way through the 34-match regular season schedule. So let's uh, bring in the radio voice on the Spanish side for New York City FC. He's been in that position since the expansion year 2015, working for ESPN Deportes. He's uh, been with ESPN 25 years. So this guy knows. Welcome in, Roberto Abramowitz. Hi, Roberto. Hey, Glenn. Well, pleasure to be here with you again. What's going on? Uh, I figure we'll talk some NYCFC. We, we do a lot of that uh, off mic and... Uh, socially so let's uh, let's put it on the air for people you know we'll, we'll have we'll have a nice discussion and what i'd like to do is let's just go back to this la galaxy match first the the most recent the road win two nil and uh, there are uh, two things that i'd like to address with you uh two names in fact maxi morales and zlatan ibrahimovic now maxi the, the story here is pretty interesting i mean here's a guy uh, who has been reliable in every aspect over his time in New York City. But he had missed his first two penalty kick tries this year. It was always David V in the past, unless V was out injured. 
and Maxie was the backup. But now Maxie is the uh, is the PK taker. It appears he missed against uh, Minnesota uh, against DC United, and now the uh, the penalty called uh, on video review uh, against the Galaxy. And you just wondered, you wondered if Maxie was going to be the guy that step up to step up and take it. No hesitation at all. There he was. And he converted 2-0 right at the half. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was one that kind of uh, helped clinch the game. So what do you think about Morales stepping up? Well, he had said on social media that he felt bad about missing the penalty kicks, but that wasn't going to deter him from taking the next one. And that's the mentality that you're going to have, right? It's the same thing that happens to shooters in the NBA, that even though they're going through a slump, the next one's going to fall, the next one's going to fall, and they have that confidence. So you have the same thing here with Maxi Morales, who was sure he was going to score the third the third chance that he got this season, and he did, and he buried it, and it was a very good shot. It was low. It was near the post. It was struck with power, and even though Greg Bingham um, <laughs> guessed where the ball was going, he uh, wasn't able to get there. David Bingham. You must David know, Bingham, you, I should say. Maybe you graduated with a Greg Bingham. Or is he another athlete? Where <laughs> David is Bingham. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, look, I don't know. Just yeah, hey. Pick up the name there for a second. Sorry it's about Bingham, that. It's Bingham and Bingham. Uh, Bingham was not happy with his uh, the, the folks in front of him uh, in that first half in particular. And, you know, the, the thing about Maxi, which was really uh, kind of fun and almost inspiring to watch. You know, we cover him closely. He's certainly one of the nice guys on the team. But he was so emotional after he converted. You could just tell, you know, kind of clenching the fist. And, and, he, and he let out a couple of yells, which I haven't seen him ever do uh, after any goal or assist. So uh, this was, um, you know, there was a little pressure associated with this kick, I think. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, when you when you decide that you're the man, when it comes down to taking penalty kicks, and you, you know how mental this whole thing is. And it's about having confidence and about having the right mentality to be able to to go up and face this because the odds are that you're going to make it. And if you miss, then it's looked upon as a failure. And it doesn't matter how good the save is. Everybody always says, well, the ball was never the, the kick wasn't taken very well. So it's always on the guy to be able to say, well, can I stand up to failure? And he has. He's gone three times, and he he wanted that fourth chance. So good for him on his mentality. But he had a really strong game just in general terms. So I'm impressed at the fact that he went up and he decided that he was strong enough mentally to be able to take this penalty kick where he's failed twice before in, in all three penalty kicks that he's taken o- over his career in New York City. But also he just played a really strong game in midfield again. And you saw it. He had 57 passes. He controlled. uh, His accuracy was very good. 87.7%. He had a couple of shots. He created chances as well. So he was very involved in the game and he running that midfield and and having a very solid game and a very strong part of the reason why New York City was able to come away with a win. You know, and if if you uh, watch behind the scenes, this is produced by Jose Medrano uh, with the club. And, you know, there were a couple of things I saw that I, and I hadn't seen live or even on replay uh, or, or through the televised match. But uh, right before Maxi took the kick, the captain, Alex Ring, uh, went up to him and 
you know, put his hands on his shoulders and leaned down and uh, and whispered something to him. I'm sure some encouragement. And then when Maxi had converted and the, and the big part of the celebration was over, he made sure he went over and gave a big hug to the captain. Let's take a moment to listen to Dome Tarant after the game, after he was asked about Maxi taking the penalty after missing two earlier. That means he has personality. Uh, I remember when Leo Messi missed the penalty sometimes in Barcelona. Nobody asked about Leo. Uh, it's, uh, it's about you have. Uh, are you sure to uh, to take the penalty? Yes. You have personality. Okay. Uh, up to you. It's not about <laughs> when when I say. I told you many times uh, the 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 soccer belongs to the players. It's about that. I have to convince my players that box to box the best way to play. Keep the ball, pass the ball. Uh, I'm very happy because the. Uh, the people told me we uh, we had uh, 50, uh, 26 passes. That means uh, this team has personality to play, no? But when you decide to to shoot the penalty or the free kiss, is about the personality. It's not in the training. We have three or four players: Abel, Eber, Mitri, Ringi, uh, shooting. Uh, the penalties uh, are really well, but if uh, one player decides to, to shoot the penalty, for me it's not a problem. Maxi, after all that was over, before the kickoff, he ran to the touchline and dove into the arms of, uh, of Tati Castellanos, his uh, fellow Argentine and Mate brothers, and they, um, they had a nice warm embrace. So uh, it, it must have, well, you know, it meant a lot to him. It shows about the relationship, right, that, that he has and that the team is together and everybody's pulling for each other. And that's one of the great things that we've seen about New York City throughout their history. And it's a short history. It's only been through, since 2015. But they've always had really strong character guys, team first guys. And that, that give the team a lot of credit for that. I think that's a positive thing. And that's why you have so many guys supporting each other and not at each other's necks. All right. Uh, the other guy uh, that I wanted to chat about a bit was uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So Ibra comes in, uh, just uh, prolific in his goal scoring once again this uh, second season in MLS for him. And uh, New York City stymied him for the most part. Uh, and... He uh, maybe let his frustration out a little bit near the end of the match when he and Sean Johnson uh, collided a bit. And then there was the choke or the pinch, uh, which w eventually was very clear to observe uh, on a television replay. What did you make of all that? Uh, and do you think Ibra will or should be suspended? I think that the disciplinary committee is going to take a look at that and a strong, long look at it. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't come away at least with a fine for that. And I think that a fine would probably be okay. Um, a suspension might be a little bit harsh. They both went at each other. It seemed like he squeezed him hard around the neck, and you can see it from one of the angles. He grabbed the left side of his neck. Again, you don't. It's hard to determine from the TV how, how hard that really was, and how much Sean Johnson uh, really felt that, or might have made a little bit of a meal of it. I don't know. Um, I didn't ask Sean that because I haven't had a chance to speak to him. But uh, obviously, you can't go and grab another player by the neck and do that. So we'll see how the disciplinary committee looks at it after speaking with the referee. 
for the day, which was Chris Penso, and we'll see what they wind up doing with that. But it's a lot of frustration for Zlatan in the game. He didn't have Jonah Dos Santos, who's a guy who runs the midfield, is a guy who's always finds a way to, to find him. Uh, Zlatan only had 30 touches the entire game, which is his, the least amount of touches he's had in a game of which he's played all 90 minutes. And to, for New York City to have done that in L.A., where the Galaxy was perfect this year, six wins, no losses, no ties, shows a lot of how well New York City played this game on the road, which also goes to show also how well New York City has been playing on the road this season uh, after a slow start with their first game against Orlando City. Yeah, it was a 2-2 draw, uh, the regular season opener. and But it's it's 3-1-2 and two, uh, over the six matches uh, away from home, which is a dramatic improvement from a season ago, and especially when Dolme Tarant arrived. And he often talked about it. He talked about it in preseason and earlier in the year, that uh, that's an area where they, they really have to improve as a club if they want to contend for MLS Cup. So what do you... Uh, you know, why the turnaround? What's your, what's your reasoning? I think the system has a lot to do with it. And, of course, Eber coming to the team and having a real number nine comes in. And, look, there was a lot of pressure on Dome because uh, before the D.C. United game, they had gone nine games in a row without winning on the row going back to last season. And that is not a good thing when you have a team that is as loaded as New York City is. It's one of the top teams as far as salary and as far as players is concerned. They do spend a lot of money on players. And although you don't have a marquee name now, you know, this losing streak still went back to last season or non-winning streak, I should say, when they did have David Villa. So there's a lot of pressure. But since that point, they have now uh, been undefeated on the road. And three wins in a row on the road, all by two nothing score lines. So the team has gotten a lot better. And as, as I said, the Eber arriving and being a solid player, three goals, two assists. They have not lost since he's started a game for New York City or since he's been in the lineup for New York City. And they've been playing very well, very solidly. Everybody's bought into the new shape. The 3-4-3 seems to be working very well. James Sands has been a stud in the middle of defense, just like he's been a stud playing the number six position. And I think that this is a kid, by the way, that has to be taken a look at for the national team. And I'm wondering if the fact that Tab Ramos didn't select him for the U-20s means that there's a chance that Greg Berhalter is going to bring him in for the Gold Cup. So wait a minute, Roberto. You think Sands is going to possibly represent uh, the senior team at the Gold Cup? This is what you're saying. Possibly. I mean, it's it's. I mean, let, let me put it to you this way. I don't understand why he was left off the U20 team when he has been a stalwart at defensive midfield and in the middle of the defense for New York City FC. Yeah, and you can't just look at his age and say, well, you know, 18, so uh, they're not going to take him. If you're not going to take him for that team, you should probably take him for the for the full U.S. national team and give him a shot there and see what he's going to do. I mean, he has been absolutely solid. Does he play like an 18-year-old for you in that position? Does he look like an 18-year-old to you? No, but we're not Tab Ramos. And I'm just, if we go back to our friend Dylan Butler, Pro Soccer USA, uh, he was involved in a roundtable with Tab Ramos last Friday, uh, and some of the questions asked were about uh, who was left off, and James Sands was one of those. And with Sands starting as the number six at the beginning of the season, now moving into a central defense position, 
Ramos essentially said he just he likes all the players that are in those positions. I'm assuming ahead of Sand. So unless he and I mean that's why I'm, I, I'd be kind of shocked if Greg Berhalter all of a sudden said, "Yep, yeah, let's uh, let's bring him into the full team." I mean, there there's a disconnect there if that really happens. There, there might be. I just think that he's playing really solidly, and he has been through some of the U.S. national teams, uh, youth teams already. And I wouldn't be terribly surprised. I definitely wouldn't be disappointed if Greg Berhalter picked him because he's been absolutely solid. And, I mean, it's a, it's a position of need for the U.S. national team. They keep on rotating several players to try to find a mix and a match. And it's a place where we've seen a lot of errors of the players that have been playing there, which is why they haven't been able to find a mix and a match. So maybe he's a type of settling influencer even at a young age that uh, just might fit in all right well that's James Sands and he's certainly been you know and you'd mentioned it and uh, I don't think anyone <laughs> would would counter that or, or dispute it what you know what he's meant to the to the club this year and uh, but, but it has been a difficult season to assess overall you know there's that one thing that's clear one loss through 11 matches that's it only two other clubs with one defeat and but winless in those first six matches. So so why was there so much angst among the supporters and, and others who were watching, Roberto? What do you think? Well, it wasn't just a, it just wasn't the supporters. It was a club as well because they and Manchester City or the City Group sent sent visors over to take a look at what was going on over here because before that. Before that series of victories that happened starting in Washington, things weren't going well for the club. They just weren't getting the results. And so there was a lot of worry that they had spent a lot of money on this team and they just didn't seem to be getting the, the results that they were expecting. There were a lot of games that New York City probably should have won that they wound up settling for ties. And there was a lot of nervousness around the team because if you consider the way that they closed last year, despite the fact that they got two wins against Philadelphia. But aside from that, they didn't close very well. Then you look at the beginning of this season and they weren't getting results. They, I think that they had reasons to be concerned. But once they got that number nine and Everett come in and he settled the, the forward spot and things started to click up front and then things just started to click in general and they started turning games that they were settling for ties into games where they were getting wins and especially on the road. So that's how things turned around for the team. Now you mentioned Eber uh, and the whole, everything we heard from uh, last December on was, you know, who's going to replace David Villa once Villa announced that uh, he was uh, heading overseas and, and moving to Japan and and Dolmay Tarant from the end of January in our, our first preseason uh, media conference call, uh, you know, just talked about the new striker. In fact, he said it seemed like it was uh, pending, but it didn't happen until April the 6th till Eber uh, signed the contract uh, on the transfer. Uh, he, he hadn't he wasn't really coming from a, a major league in Croatia, had played in Armenian uh, first division before that. But he certainly has shown uh, that he's a finisher. Three goals, two assists, and he's been a part of almost everything in this unbeaten run. He's been he's been playing very well, and you know he came. He wasn't fully in shape, so they had to get him in little by little. Then he picked up a knock here and there, so he's settling into the offense. 
and he's been playing very solidly. I'm not going to say he has been brilliant, but he's been he's been very very solid, good all the way around. And when he gets chances, he's finished them. And the last two chances that he's gotten have been off rebounds, and he's Johnny on the spot. And I don't think that's an accident. He's the type of player that seems to have a nose to where to be stationed in front of goal, and the ball seems to find him, which is pretty nice. And uh, I'm glad that he's able to take these opportunities and put them in the back of the net for New York City fans. Hey, I, I didn't get a chance to see the uh, Claudio Reyna uh, interview on ESPN, and I, I know he mentioned Eber, he mentioned Villa. You know, what was the context of that? Well, for, first he mentioned Villa because Hercules Gomez asked him about uh, why didn't they resign Villa. And especially since Villa had told Hercules on his show, Aura Nunca, that he wanted to stay in New York. But I have a feeling that money was the big issue. So, And Claudio basically confirms that in his answer in the boot room on ESPN FC, talking about the fact that you know money is limited in the way that he that, uh MLS has allowed them to allocate money, and so they just didn't know if it was well spent there considering all the other needs that they had. So one has to expect that Villa wasn't going to settle for a pittance just to stay in New York City. He wanted to make money. And we know that he got a a very substantial offer to, to join Iniesta in Japan. So at the end of the day, it worked out to be a better deal for him to try a new adventure in Japan with Iniesta. And uh, in regard to Eber, the club uh, has been watching him for about a year now. So it's not uh, it's not just a, a discovery they made over the last couple of months. They've had his eye on Eber, and uh, and I know you've uh, talked about this probably over the last two years, not knowing exactly when Villa would leave. That the club uh, really needed to uh, consider that uh, that striker role and and, and bring in. Um, bringing a, a big-time goal scorer, if possible. Roberto Abramowitz from ESPN Deportes, our guest here on Frame. And, Roberto, a couple other things. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, and this morning, uh, the big announcement in New England, Bruce Arena is back in MLS, and he's going to uh, take charge of uh, a, a lot of what the New England Revolution will do as the sporting director and the head coach. So what's your, uh, what's your reaction to that? Uh, it's interesting that this is the same ownership, well, same franchise ownership group, basically, that when Bill Parcells was running, was the coach of the New England uh, Patriots, and he was wound up letting, uh, he was let go at some point after he had said that if I'm going to be cooking the meals, I should be allowed to shop for the groceries and referring to the fact that he had no input on the players that were being brought in. So now the Kraft organization hires Bruce Arena to run the revolution, and they're giving him the double title. He's coach. He's uh, going to be picking the players as well. So we'll see how that goes. It's a good landing spot for Bruce, and one has to think that there is some sort of guarantee in there that this is going to be an organization that's going to be opening up the wallet a little bit more because I don't think that Bruce would throw everything into a stop after the way that he left his last stop, which was with the U.S. national team and the failure that that was, unless he had a chance to be able to do something, do something big and succeed and if he was going to be on a limited budget i don't think that this would be a place for him to land all right so five mls cup championships uh two with dc united three with the la galaxy 
And uh, as the U.S. men's national team coach, uh, I, I think you'd have to regard him as uh, both the most successful in MLS, the most successful on the international level uh, for the U.S. 2002, arguably the uh, the best World Cup uh, for the U.S. Uh, for in, in our lifetimes anyway. So Bruce Arena back in the league, and uh, that'll add some, uh, I think, some excitement to things. Now, tell us, uh, Roberto, what you know, and I, I always uh, refer to you on, on uh, the TV side or the media side. You seem to be very up to speed on it. And and the, the, the story this week about Pluto TV, which I have to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about, and, and MLS with this partnership or relationship with them. Is this where I'm watching my MLS games now? Like, if I'm trying to prepare for a match, am I going to Pluto? To, to watch the games? Well, I don't know what their demand, on-demand situation is. It's free television, and they have their own channel. So if you go to Pluto TV, and it's just uh, uh, PlutoTV.com, it's going to show you games. So right now they have, for instance, an MLS in 15, and they've got a whole bunch of reviews and things like that uh, that they do. Um, they have MLS films, best of. So it's just like a regular live channel. And so that's what they're doing with that. I don't know what their on-demand capabilities are going to be for this. But uh, for now, uh, you know, it's going to be a nice place to go. And if you want to watch some MLS and just tune it in, go to Pluto TV and it's going to be there. All right. I'm going to do that. I'm going to test it out. And if I have any technical difficulties, I'll, I'll phone you. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. All right. Well, he's the radio voice of uh, the Spanish side for New York City FC broadcasts on ESPN Deportes. Thank you so much to uh, Roberto Abramowitz. I should also say that Roberto and I also co-host another podcast. It's called Soccer in the City. Uh, it's mainly New York City FC stuff, but we go all over the place. We go to MLS. We go around the globe. And um, we we yell at each other. Uh, it's it's all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We don't quite yell at each other. We have fun. It's always in good fun. We've I don't think we've ever actually gotten mad at each other. And how long have uh, we been dealing with each other now? That's nah, just all in good. I don't fun. know. All it's been almost fun. four years. It's always been in good fun. Uh-huh. As as you said, and one of the things that you said uh, early on that you've always said uh, during your coaching career, uh, well. What is it about being mad? About being mad? Ah, what's the exact word? Yeah, about not taking it personally. Oh, no, yeah, it's like you, no, it's uh, if you come up with something as a, as the head coach that works, like if, if you're in a meeting with your assistants and you're going over how you want to play against a certain opponent and you make the final decision, it doesn't work, it's not like, uh, you know, if you're with a good staff, they don't come back and say, hey, I told you so. And the same thing on the other way. You know, if I get it right, yeah. then it's not, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team effort. Is that what you're suggesting yeah, soccer well, in the city is? No, but like when you <laughs> yell at your players sometimes. Yes. Uh, you don't yell at us anymore but uh, because we'll beat you up. But when you yell at your players, uh, you tell them not to take it personally. Right. That's You're me. just trying to help them. Me, no offense, take no offense, Roberto. That's what you were looking that's, for me to say. That's, that's it, yeah. Yes, that was it. That's exactly. it. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for taking it that. Took a uh, long time to out of the, uh, All right, Roberto. We'll see you soon. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. I really did enjoy this. I appreciate it. If you go on social media, you will clearly see New York City FC supporters clamoring about the absence of Keaton Parks from any New York City lineup. 
The 21-year-old midfielder, he's appeared in four matches for a mere 28 minutes total. In a one-on-one -on -one I had prior to the Galaxy match with head coach Dolme Torrent, he explains the situation with Parks. Yeah, I understand that you asked me about this player, but uh, uh, it's the same for Tati, for, uh, for Jesus, for, for uh, everybody. It's not about Keaton, because uh, maybe the, the fans uh, show Keaton just two games in the national team. One. One game? Yeah. But uh, I, I understand you asked me that, but I don't understand because... Uh, I ask you how many how many games you watch uh, about Keaton in Benfica B? I, watch, I did not. I watch, yes, I watch a lot of games, yeah. and I have confidence with him. But right now, uh, when I decide uh, to play with another player, is because I uh, I have confidence uh, in this team right now. But for sure, Keaton uh, can play with us. Uh, he's so close. He's so close to play. But he's a young player, uh, for me it's not important, uh, the age, because uh, I show you, I show to you with, with Jimmy, for example. Oh, yeah. But right now I decide to play uh, with another player because I think he's the best option for us. It's not about us, I am very happy with him. But not just with Keaton, with Keaton, with, with uh, Tati, yeah. because don't forget, uh, Tati scored uh, against Chicago uh, the goal and we won the game and I decide next game play with Ever Isman because I say I say to you many times uh, Glenn uh, I choose uh, the players about the performance in the facilities everybody deserve for the performance to play but I'm so sorry soccer is about 11 players I'm so sorry I, I would like to play with with 20 players because all of them deserve to play, and after that is the opponent, the system, our system, and the feeling the last day. It's about that. It's not about... I, I'm very happy uh, if you ask me about Keaton, but he has uh, to be patient. He's a young player, and I'm sure he has uh, his opportunity to play with us. Parks did come in for Baxi Morales in the last quarter of an hour against the Galaxy. And that'll do it for this week's On Frame. New York City FC off this week. Uh, they'll play the Chicago Fire on Saturday, May 25th in Bridgeview, Illinois. The Fire have recorded three consecutive clean sheets going into their match at San Jose on Saturday. Thanks for listening. I'm Glenn Crooks.